Good morning, good morning, good morning. My name's Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad that you're joining us this Labor Day weekend. I'm so glad that you are here. Um, I I just want to start with a story. Two weeks ago, actually, um, somebody from our church, I had coffee with somebody from our church, and they had told me, hey, I need to speak to you urgently. And so, you know, I dropped everything that I had to do that week, and I met with him, and he says to me, hey, Jonathan, um, I have some sad news to share with you. And that sad news was he's moving, right? And, you know, that, that normally doesn't bother me. People come, people go. But what, what prompted me was like, hey, did, did I say something wrong the week prior, right? Because I, I've been preaching a lot lately, and I've been saying a lot of things, and I'm just like, hey, did I really say that? And so, you know, to... to, to you know, the good news that God had given me was it wasn't because of me. It wasn't because of me. Um, what he shared with me was this, right? What he shared with me is that he is leaving Michigan, and he's leaving immediately with his family. He's packing up all his things to become a missionary. And that blew me away. That blew me away that people at our church are being called to be missionaries. And so, you know, I was like, wait, I didn't even know you were in seminary. I didn't even know you were going to school for this. And he says, I'm not. I've been praying, and God has been prompting in my heart that I need to to become a missionary, and I don't know where, and I don't know how, and I've been praying for a while. My wife has been praying, and all of a sudden, my company just gave me a new role in China. And I said, do you even speak Chinese? And he's like, no. I don't speak that language. I don't speak anything. And I was like, wait, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? And he said, well, well, after praying about it and after thinking about it, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take the employees that that are going to be working for me, and we're just going to do life together. And so isn't it amazing that his mission strategy, not being theologically trained, not having a plan, was for his company to pay him lots more money with a promotion to go to a foreign country, to pay for his apartment, to pay for everything, and he's going to do life with people who are so far from Christ so that he can minister the gospel to them. Isn't that amazing? That, that, that is an amazing thing, right? And yeah, it's, it's, it's time to clap, right? And so you, you, you know what that inspired me to share with you this message because this message that we have here in Daniel 6 is important because we're all called to live on mission well, to be missionaries in a world that doesn't know Jesus. How many people here feel like they're called to be a missionary? Some of, oh, wow, wow. That's great. I want, I want to make sure I have a conversation with you after this because I want to make sure that you have the tools that you need to live on mission well. But what else I'm going to share with you is this. You already have the tools, all of us. If you never believed you had the tools to minister the gospel, to share the gospel, then I'm going to tell you, you do. You absolutely do. And I don't care if you're an engineer and the only skills that you have are making sprockets for cars, right? Because even unbelievers need sprockets in their cars. And that's all you need to minister the gospel well, right? In Matthew 28, Jesus tells his disciples this. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. You see, the commission, which is simply the duty or the task that Jesus gives to his disciples, is to make disciples, 
to make disciples of all nations, he didn't say that we needed formal training. He, he didn't say that we had to stop and think about it. He didn't say this was for, reserved for fantastic people. That this, there were doubters in their midst. Even if you doubt your faith, this is your commission from God, right? Your purpose in life is to make disciples that follow Jesus, right? And you have everything that you need for that end, and it doesn't matter where you are or what you do because God demonstrates his power so that we can be faithful to his purpose, right? That, that's, that, that's what our mission is. That's what our mission is. Yesterday, I was watching the, the Ohio State-Notre Dame game with, with some guys from this church, right? Um, and I forgive them despite the fact that they're rooting for Ohio State. And I, I just want to make some comments about the game before I begin. This red tie is as close to Buckeye red and crimson and, you know, that silver that Ohio State has. So congratulations to all you Ohio State fans out there. I see you wearing red out there. Um, you didn't cover the spread, and I'll see you at South Bend next year, Right? Um, you know, secondly, the, the game, if you don't follow football, that's okay. Um, it was sloppy. It wasn't really that good. There were more penalty yards than there were actual scrimmage yards. Um, you know, but what, the real winner, the real winner of the game, uh, and I, I'm going to say this, was C.J. Stroud. He's the quarterback for the winning team, right? And I'm not going to mention that team's name again. But, uh, <laughs> you know, what, what impressed me the most was that young man, what that man, young man said in the interview after the game, he testified to how God has been demonstrating his power in his own life, right? And he did this on national television, unprompted, unscripted. And, you know, th this was so impressive because it doesn't take much for us to be open about what we believe and who we believe in and where we place our trust. Yet some of us are so, so very timid. Some of us are so, so afraid and we're unduly afraid and unduly timid from it, right? So we're, we're going to be in Daniel 6 today because, you know, this season that we're entering, whether it's the school year, the fall, football season, whatever you want to call it, it's going to be rife with people who are far from God who will only hear the good news, the good news, if you are willing to testify about it. So some context about Daniel before we open the book. Um, he, he's the last of our major prophets in the Bible. The, the book that's assigned to him, it's split into two parts, right? The first half is a collection of his illustrious career from um, being a pr political prisoner to upcoming and, you know, big shot politician, right? Where he, he starts as, you know, basically a prisoner of war and now becomes the COO of the most powerful nation in the 6th century BC, right? And the second half of the book is a set of ap apocalyptic visions of the coming world. And, you know, it's real good. It's real intense. I recommend it because Daniel was written for us. It was written for a time like this, right? Daniel was a young man. He was a political prisoner, right? He was taken from his war-torn country because his country lost the war. And he's shuttled across, you know, the Middle East to Babylon, even though he was a foreigner, even though he didn't speak the language, he rose politically. He rose politically. And, you know, he rose to the top of society. He didn't just do it in Babylon once. He did it when the Persians conquered Babylon. So he did it a second time. And he actually became um, a political appointee across multiple nations. And that's very, very impressive, right? And it didn't happen because of Daniel's guile. That's what becomes very evident in this book. It didn't happen because, you know, he, he had all the right maneuvers or the right strategies. It came as a result of God's faithfulness, 
And it proves, right, that some of us are only in the places that we occupy at work and at home and in organizations because of God's faithfulness, right? It's a demonstration of his power to be where we are. And some of us have to realize that and look at ourselves and say, yeah, that's exactly where we are. That's exactly why everything that we're doing feels so big and so hard because God in his faithfulness has put us there to testify about what he's doing in our lives, right? And so God's faithfulness actually gave Daniel the opportunity and the confidence to speak and act with the authority of God in every situation, wherever he was, right? And this very same Daniel is, our, you know, is a model to us because his God is our God. And so God is with us always. He will never leave us or forsake us. That's what Jesus tells his disciples. So if you're afraid of the woke mob influencing your kids the wrong way or messing up your comfortable settings or wherever you are in your Christian circles, then stop worrying, right? Stop worrying and come to your senses because God has been and will be demonstrating his power in your life. All we have to do is be brave enough and open enough to talk about it, to tell someone about it. You see, the more I read this book, the more I get confirmation that what's happening in 6th century B.C. Persia is happening right now. It's happening right now, and we're being called as followers of Jesus to the mission. There's no doubt about that. That is our calling. So Daniel chapter 6, verse 1, let's read it together. Um, we're going to go through the whole chapter, so we're, we're, it's gonna be, you're going to be there for a while. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, right? Those are governors, to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them were three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps would give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could not find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Daniel embodied an excellent spirit. That's why Daniel gained the favor of the king, right? Some of us, we, we have a horrible spirit, Right? We have a horrible spirit. It's lazy, it's self-entitled, it's full of complaints, and people actually dislike you and don't invite you to things because of that. Right? They don't leave you out because of your beliefs or because you're Christian. They leave you out because you're a downer to be around. Right? And that's the reason why some of us keep talking and we have no influence, because we're a pain and we're a downer. Right? Have you thought about that? And so when we have an excellent spirit like Daniel here has, right, People have no choice but to listen, but to look. There's something different about this guy, right? And that's our first point today. That's where we find ourselves. God's faithfulness is what sets us apart. Not our own abilities, not our talents, not, not anything that we do, but God's faithfulness, right? So if your backgrounds or experiences don't feel like they're, they're the right match, understand that you've already been marked by God's faithfulness through his spirit. That, that's, that's knowledge for us. That's truth for us. That's something that we have to take home, right? Jesus says to his disciples in John chapter 14, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees nor knows him. You know him. 
He dwells in you and will be in you. You see, when Jesus ascended to heaven, he sent the helper for us. The Holy Spirit dwelling in us is a measure of God's faithfulness for us. But we fail to see it sometimes. We fail to believe that sometimes. So regardless, even if you're doubting right now, know that you have been set apart in your life, in your circumstances. The things that you are going through, the things that you've experienced, you have them. You've been marked by God. You've been set apart by God's Spirit. Because God knew that if you were left to your own devices, you would crumble. That I would crumble. That we would have midlife crises. That we would just go home and cry in our closets. Because when relationships come and go, when circumstances come and go, and our passions die and fade, we drop everything. If it were not for God's spirit. But God says, I've set you apart. I've given you a helper. He is not leaving you. I will not forsake you. And this is why we're on the mission that we're living in because life is too hard without him and the mission is so great, but that is our calling. And the God, the God who empowers Daniel, the God who gave us Jesus Christ, he gives us everything that we need. Verse five. Then these men, these are the satraps that they're talking about. They said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find a connection with the law of his gods. You see, I told you earlier, right, that what's happening in 6th century Persia is happening right now in our country, in our nation right now, you know, being ostracized for faith convictions, being challenged for what we believe in the public realm, being a minority swimming upward against the current, right? And this is exactly us, isn't it? We're just so much more aware of it. There's no difference between what's happening now and what's been happening in history. None at all. It's been happening for such a long time that we forgot about it. Right? And, and the point is this, that society, society, the world, the culture wants us to change so that we would turn away from our faithful God, from our faithful Father in heaven. Right? And for some reason, we got in our heads that we believe that this country we live in is supposed to be Christian. But really, the country that we live in is part of this world, and the ruler of this world is the guy who got thrown out of heaven because he wanted to be God. He's already lost the battle, and now he's trying to make life for the children of God horrible, as miserable as possible, as close to hell as possible. And so if that is the world that we're living in, and the world wants us to change to believe that, then it's our obligation, it's our duty to understand that we, we not only know and have God, but that he is for us and that he is with us. Verse 6, then these high officials and the satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into a den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked." Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. I got a lot to say about this, right? And the first of this is this. You know, who do you think these officials consulted to get this agreement? Not Daniel. Definitely not Daniel, right? I mean, you know, you, you think what's going on now in politics is crazy? This is exactly what's going on, right? I mean, it's always been polarizing. It's always been polarizing. We're just more aware of it, right? And secondly, how do you make a law that outlaws prayer, right? How do you make a law and then make it punishable by death, a slow, slow death, right? Let, let's say you get the law approved that says, you know what, if you pray, you, you're, you're going to be, you know, penalized with death. But how do you come up with the law and says, you know what, 
it's going to be a slow death. Because when you YouTube how lions actually feast and how they, you know, attack their prey, you actually don't know. It's a long, long waiting game. Like, have you seen these YouTube videos, right? It goes 30 minutes and the lion isn't doing anything. And then all of a sudden, when that prey least expects it, in the last 20 seconds of that 30-minute video, and trust me, I've done the research so you don't have to do it, right? (laughs) Then, and only then, does the lion come and try to break its prey's neck. That, that, I mean, you suffocate to death, that's how the lion gets it, right? I, just, just think about that. That is the worst way to die. That's the worst way to die. And surely, the death penalty could have been rendered a lot more easily, couldn't it? It, it definitely could. Let, let's say you get this law passed. But you know what? How do you even enforce a law like that? Let, let's forget about all that. How do you even enforce that? What does a petition look like? What does a prayer look like? Right? What, what does any of that look like that you're able to, to get this done? I mean, what's the rationale behind that? And I mean, what, what you hear and what you see here is that, you know, the, the crazy people, the ones with the loudest voices, the ones with the most asinine opinions, they're the ones that are often most heard, isn't it? Isn't that true? That, that's exactly what's happening, right? And so, you know, you make a law that's, number one, it's very asinine, but it doesn't make sense how you enforce it nor how you execute on it. But really, who makes it applicable for just a month? Like, why waste your political capital on that? Right? The, the amount of work to get people to agree to that and you do it for just 30 days, like that doesn't make sense. And I mean, you know, th- this is what the Bible says. The point is that these people were heard and the Bible says the law was signed, right? Culture wants us to change to be like them, no matter what it costs, no matter what it costs for us to be more like them. And what's clear to us is we shouldn't be surprised. Why do we act so surprised, Right? Verse 10, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. You can highlight that in your Bibles, right? As he'd done previously, right? We spend so much time overreacting about how the world is against us and what the world is doing that we lost sight of what matters and what our mission is, which is to make disciples, right? And Daniel knew. Daniel knew that this law was signed. And what did he do? He didn't overreact. He didn't do anything. In fact, he did what he always did, right? He prayed three times a day and gave thanks to God like he normally would. Nothing has changed in his life. Nothing has changed in his life. Why are we changing our lifestyles and our lives? Because the world around us has gone nuts. When what we should have been doing from the beginning is doing as we've always been doing, which is thanking God and praying to him and asking God, how do I make disciples? How do I live on missions, right? And I mean, this is why it's so important that we gather each week and come to church together and pray like we do together because the world wants to change us how we live, right? But when we prioritize living faithfully like we always did and allow the rest of our lives to be organized and revolve around worshiping Him, then, then do we find our center. Then do we find nothing is bothering us, right? This is the reason that we keep urging you, join a life group, do life with people so that you can exercise faith as a priority. So everything that shakes and trembles and and falls beneath your feet, it doesn't feel so bad and so shaken, Right? And if you need extra tools to live on mission this season, you know what? As a church, this is what we're helping you do, right? On 9-12, we're, we're, we're saying, hey, come and pray. Pray, right? We're going to adore God. We're going to confess to God. We're going to 
good, ask God and thank God for Thanksgiving and ask for supplication, right? In 920, we're starting a women's Bible study, right? On 924, we have a worship night. And three weeks in October, three weeks, we have a class just dedicated. Hey, how do you use your spiritual gifts? Number one, what are your spiritual gifts? And it's being taught, right? We're giving you these opportunities. Now, all you have to do is step into them. All you have to do is say, you know what? I want God not for just the world just trying to find an anchor, but this is what I've always done to have the tools that we need to live on mission. And here is the mission that we live faithfully because God has been demonstrating his power. Verse 11, then these men that came by agreement and found Daniel making a petition and plea before his God, they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you. O king, the injunction that you have signed but makes his petition three times a day. Then... The king, who heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. There's some things I want us to see, right? And the first thing is this, right? You, even though you try to be like the world, even though you pretend, will never be like the world. You see these satraps, these people who came against Daniel? They've already marked him aside. They said, hey, Daniel is the one of these exiles from Judah, this insignificant country that was conquered two nations ago. Daniel never left that identity. So no matter how you try to leave your identity as a Christ follower, that's not going to, you can't shake that. You can't shake that. So don't bother trying, right? They're always going to see you that way. And if that's the way they see you, that's a good thing. But number two, not everyone who's not a Christian is against you, right? King Darius was not a Jew. He believed in a pantheon of gods. Right? Yet this king, who was not a Christ follower, not a Jewish person, he cared for someone despite the fact that Daniel did not share the same worldview and even violated his own laws. Right? He wanted to rescue a friend. He wanted to rescue a friend. And if you want to see how God shows his power in your life, go tell some non-believers that you follow Jesus and see what happens. See what happens. Right? That's how we live a life on mission well. We don't hide who we are. We're open about it. We're unabashed by it. Verse 15. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said, No, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. By the way, they are lying to the king because there is no such law in Persia like that. Right? I've done this. Right? I've looked at this. Then the king commanded... And Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, del deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and slept, sleep fled from him. Then at daybreak, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, 
been able to deliver you from the lions. Look how familiar this king is with Daniel's God. Doesn't it seem like Daniel's been having some faith conversations with the king? Right? I mean, talking about faith was not taboo. He wasn't afraid. It almost seems like Daniel has been testifying to the king about who his God is. The king knew exactly how God would deliver, right? And, you know, one of the people that Daniel shared his testimony to, the king of the first superpower in this world, right? That's our license to share our faith openly. In fact, this whole story, this whole ordeal starts because the people who were supposed to be against Daniel knew what Daniel stood for. Daniel was so open about it that they used what he believed against him. That's how it works. That's how it works, right? And the only way that they would know what Daniel practices or how to entrap him would be for Daniel to spill out exactly how he practices and follows his God. Isn't that something? But that didn't bother Daniel at all, and it shouldn't bother us, right? How many of us are really that open with what we believe, with how we practice, I mean, are we afraid to offend? Are we afraid to share? Are we afraid to be cast out any further? Or, or maybe we're, we're just comfortable where we are. I mean, regardless of what it is, it's time for us to think and reconsider how we live. Verse 21, then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. May God send his angel and shut the lion's mouth. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children and their wives... And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwelled on the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. This is my last point, and this is where I want to wrap it up. Testifying to God's work changes culture. When we testify to God's work, the culture around us will change. Undoubtedly, right? Just as Daniel testified and trusted in God, Persia began to change. But it changed not because he reached a whole bunch of people, not because he had a whole big platform, but because he was willing to take time to testify to the power of God to just one person. That one person happened to be the king. But what if, what if we would testify about God's power in our life to just one person. And I'm not talking about winning them over in arguments or debate. I'm just simply talking about sharing how God blesses you despite how flawed you are. Like Daniel, we're called to be missionaries 
where we are in life, in our careers, in our families, in our schools. We're missionaries as fathers, as mothers, children, salespeople, managers, CEOs, doctors, lawyers, engineers, assistants, servers, welders, builders. Whatever we do, whatever we are, don't go squandering the opportunity because you are blessed by God to be exactly where you are as a demonstration of His power in your life. That way, people will hear the good news. You see, many of us were here because someone was willing to share the gospel with us. I'm here because a friend of mine was willing to share the gospel with me who was so far from God. Jonathan was so far from God. Jonathan was so far from God that my friend said, you know what? God is calling me to share the good news to him. That's all it took for him to be open about his faith. Not because he, he wanted to win me over, but because he knew that if he had told his story, that I may believe. I may believe because the power of God dwells in that story. You, you see, this is the gospel. This is the good news that God sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus, to become our Christ. Jesus, although in the form of God, humbled himself to become human, to live sinless, to die for our sins accordance to the scriptures, and fulfilled the justice necessary to bring us reconciliation with our Father. Jesus was crucified on the cross. He died. He was buried. But sin and death could not hold Jesus down. He was raised from the dead on the third day by the power of God. And in faith we receive salvation, not by our works, but by grace as a gift from God. So if you've never accepted the good news or the gospel, receive it in faith right now. Because when you confess Jesus as your Savior, as your Messiah, you become a child of God. And if you've been following Jesus for a while now and haven't ever considered your mission, your commission, then consider it now. Now is the time for you to be open about your faith, to live well on the mission that God has given you, to live boldly. Let God demonstrate his power so that you can be faithful wherever you are. Let your life testify to what God has done and is doing. We're his children. We live faithfully. Make disciples of all nations. That is our calling this season. That is what we're called to do as a church. God's already demonstrating his power. Go forth. Be faithful to him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for sending your son to rescue us. God, we want to be faithful to the mission that you've called us to. And we know that you want us to share this incredible good news to everybody around us. But God, we find it so hard to start. We, we find it so hard to be bold. We find it so hard to trust you. God, that doubt that we have, I ask that you, you give us a spirit of belief that as we believe in you, as we continue to trust in you, that you give us courage to be more bold, to be more faithful because you give us the words, you give us people and places that you've already identified for us to share our testimony of how good you are. God, the neighbors that we don't expect to be friendly to us, thank you for opening those doors to them. God, the teachers that don't have the same worldview as us, thank you for allowing our children to be a part of their classrooms. God, the co-workers that we have who ostracize us. Yes, thank you for even them so that we can witness to them. The relatives that we have in our families 
who don't know you, who are far from you, that tell us that we're confused, that we're lost. Lord, help us bless them. God, those of us who who need to receive your gospel, let, let us receive it wholeheartedly. Let us receive it with thanksgiving. Saturate every facet of their lives as they give themselves to you. Transform them. Let the ways that they used to live die and be buried with you and resurrect a new life in them, a new way of living. God, this world with troubles that we are faced with, give us satisfaction, give us resolve. Give us a way forward to be faithful. Help us be faithful with the work that you give us. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.